0: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Dagel Bytes ad free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. Dagel Bytes. Welcome back for another week of Dago Bites. We were scheduled to be out on the Lauren Dago World Tour when this episode was set to release, but things took a pretty hard turn. We ended up postponing our spring and summer shows, but we're so excited to get back out there as soon as we can. I was asked this question in Baltimore, Maryland. It is actually probably one of my favorite questions because I, I thought... You know, a lot of times people wonder, why do we wake up in the morning? What is it that excites us? What is it that we look forward to, especially in the world of touring, because we're in a different place every single day? Um, so in Baltimore, I was asked, what inspires you to get up every day on tour? Oh, I love the shows, getting out here and getting to meet all of you. I, I know it sounds like you probably heard that every day, but it's so true. I wait. It's kind of like this countdown all day long. So I wake up as late as possible so I don't have to count down very long. So I wake up around like noon or one o'clock. And it's honestly because I, I look forward to this so much throughout the day. I kind of try to chip away as many hours as fast as possible because just being with you, I wouldn't have heard Scott's story had he not been here. I wouldn't have heard Macy's story had she not been here. I love hearing people's stories and getting to interact with you guys. It it really makes the separation between the stage and the audience a lot smaller. That's how I like to live. If we bump into each other in the grocery store, I like to actually give you a hug and say hello. And that's what this is. This is a um, very large supermarket today. And I just love getting to sing. I, I I sang all around the house when I was a little girl all the time. My mom would always say that I could sing before I could talk. And I think there's something to that, like singing just, it makes my heart explode. I feel like a lot of times I can express what God puts on my heart or express who I am more through singing than even through just speaking. So I think getting into that creative space is something I really look forward to in the day, getting to share that with you guys. Piggybacking off of the previous question, I was also asked, how do you maintain such love, joy, and warmth on the road? A lot of times it's the people you surround yourself with. That's what I've had to learn. Um, I bring my best friend out on the road with me at all times. So she comes basically to almost every single show. Uh, She does all the styling for me, and that's my little secret way of having her out all the time. But she's just a good... Person to see in the mirror, you know, whenever you, whenever I look at her, it's like I get the reflection of Christ. And so I can know, wow, that's that is this element of joy that, like, for instance, today we had all of these great plans to go ahead and put on our workout clothes, go to the gym. We ended up driving for two hours, just sitting in the car, driving, singing songs at the top of our lungs, <laughs> like totally missed the boat on the workout. <laughs> but those are those moments that I just pull a friend and say, all right, let's just do this. Let's just live like, like that childlike faith every single day. And I remember there were moments where uh, touring didn't feel like that, where touring felt heavy and weighty. And I just remember the Lord telling me, and I told them, it's wild, that I actually said this week to Hannah, that's the girl who comes with me on the road, and then my other best friend is Jen, and she comes out here and there. And we were all together this past week because it was Jen's birthday. And I said, guys, I just feel like the, the weight has lifted and like the joy is just spilling out now. And like, I'll go through moments where it's like, I can only feel the like we're pushing against a brick wall. That happens. Um, But I've been given like the gift of so much joy. I have people in my life that are joyous and I have Christ that He, it's like um, He shows Himself in the littlest of ways. In In the smile of a child, you can see pure joy. And the way the wind blows, you can see the leaves move. And there's just an element of whim and wonder and I think I I try to find myself lost in those spaces to keep that joy alive, to keep that joy present. And so that way it can spill out onto y'all. When I was um, somewhere over here, I was talking about when I was 15 and with that illness and I hit some pretty low lows then. And I think he came and he wrote joy and the fabric of who I was. And so even in the low moments, he would remind me of joy and remind me um, that he is the lifter of my head and that's what I want to spill out onto everyone that I encounter. People walk around lonely and that inspires me to constantly keep joy alive so that if I encounter someone who's really lonely or having a really hard time, um, maybe a little bit of that will jump onto them. I love this next question because a lot of times I get asked about stage fright And this question was unique to me because it wasn't just about the fear as much as it was also embarrassment. In Baltimore, I was asked, do you have any fears or ever get embarrassed on stage? I thought that was pretty interesting. You know what I used to do on stage? I would say, God, let me mess up in front of everyone. Can you believe that? I would actually pray that because otherwise it's just a boring show. When a mistake comes... When you, when you least expect it, that's when you can make something wonderful happen. That's when you can bring excitement into the room. So I would always say, God, let something mess up. And the more I started doing it, I know that's kind of crazy. Like I said, I'm a seven on the Enneagram and I love to jump off cliffs and I love adrenaline. So it makes me feel like I'm jumping off a cliff when something goes sideways in a show. It, it tests me to pull something out of it. So um, yeah, I embarrassed. I don't really get embarrassed very often, but I'm sure there's some moment where I've been embarrassed. I've got to think back on something. I think I get embarrassed in moments that maybe the crowd doesn't know, but I know myself like, oh man, that, that, um, that thing just misfired. No one else heard it, but I heard it in my ears because we have these things that keep our, our, Like where I could hear the whole band. Um, And so sometimes, you know, if it's something like that, that'll mess up or whatever. Nobody else really recognizes it, but I do. And I'm like, oh, no. You know what's funny about embarrassment is we can never really remember an embarrassing moment. Have you ever noticed that? I think embarrassment is like the bully in the corner that tries to tell you, you should be afraid of me. You should be afraid of me. You should be afraid of being embarrassed. But a lot of times those embarrassing moments actually don't stick with us. So they're just trying to act a little bit bigger than what they actually are. They're trying to be a lot tougher than what they actually are. They're trying to be a lot louder than what they actually are. And the second you can realize, huh, I, if I'm free in front of people, then embarrassment can't be the bully in my corner. I just actually love to be free. And free is there even when embarrassment comes and tries to taunt you. It's not real. So all those embarrassing moments that you might feel like you have or you might feel like you're going to have to face one day, you can just push them off to the side because even the ones you've experienced, you don't even remember. They're not even that big of a deal. Isn't that cool? In Spokane, Washington, I used to say Spokane, and then I was told, no, it ain't Spokane, baby, it's Spokane. I'm like, yes, sir, I will do what you say. Spokane, Washington. I was asked, what was the night like performing at Carnegie Hall? I think a lot of people would be surprised to know it was not my easiest day, but definitely one of my favorites. I tell everybody all the time, the sound at Carnegie Hall can only be found at Ka- Carnegie Hall. It is it is so surreal. It's so incredible, um, and the way, the shape of the room, it's just so warm in there, and We had a 400 person choir singing with us and they, it was a volunteer choir. Like they flew in from all over the world. We had people from South America, people from Australia, people from Canada, people from here in the United States. People flew in from all over. And I just remember thinking, man, this is, it is so humbling. I just couldn't keep the tears away just thinking that people would be this invested to offer up so much of their time and, and resources to be a part of a night like that, and then we had um i think it was was it thirty two piece orchestra or something like that behind us as well so that night for me was over the top i mean it was it was so surreal um, but I just remember feeling like the presence of God was there in a really special way too because um I was there this is not a trend it doesn't happen often but I ended up getting the flu and I didn't know it, but I just was like, man, my voice is acting really weird. And this is so, super common for me. I'll be sick and just not even know because I'm like blazing on to the next thing. I just, I love life and I have a lot of energy. So it takes me a while to realize, Oh, I'm actually kind of sick right now. So it was one of those days. I was like, man, my voice. Isn't working like at all. Something weird is going on. I've never had this happen. Well, sure enough, it was like five o'clock. This is the stuff like artists never talk about, but I'm like, it's okay. Let's just blow up the whole taboo thing. So it's like five o'clock in the afternoon. We start the show. I think it was seven or something, right? Mind you, I didn't even realize that there was no opener or like starter set. I had no idea. So I'm like, okay, so the opener goes on at seven. They're like, there is no opener, Lauren. You're doing the whole show. I was like, wait, what? They're like, yeah, the whole show. I was like, oh my gosh. So you can imagine that pressure being added as well. Like it wasn't just, we're going to do an hour and a half set and they're going to do 30 minutes. It's a two-hour night. It was like hey, the two and a half hours is all yours. So I remember thinking, wow, I don't have a voice. Some weird thing is happening where my voice just randomly left and it's five o'clock. And it's to the point where we had been in rehearsal. My um, front of house guy comes to me and he says, hey, Lauren, um, you might want to stop practicing because I think you need to save your voice for the show. I was like, is it obvious out there or is it just me like feeling it? This is so bizarre. They were like, no, it's, it's becoming obvious. I was like, okay, let me just press pause. And I go to my manager, Lee, and I walk in there and I say, um, guys, I need to get a steroid shot right now. And I knew it. And I'm, I'm not me in shots. My dad was in the pharmaceutical world. So I know all the medical world and I'm about as hippie as it gets. <laughs> so I'm like, give me all the natural stuff. But I looked at him. I was like, "Something is wrong." And do you know? The next morning, I woke up sick as a dog. I had I ended up having the flu. But the the whole point of why I told that story is because that night it was like it was that one of those mo- moments in life where you can see all the pressure facing you, staring at you. I had family flying from all over the country. It was one of those kind of events, and. The thing about Carnegie Hall that makes it really special is you can only be in the only way you can play there is if you 're invited it 's not it doesn't work like how a normal venue works um, so there was kind of this pressure surrounding it, and it was like of course that 's when i 'm going to be my weakest so I feel like that night was really, really special to me because I got to just stand on stage and feel like God was just holding my hand through the entire performance and it It really became. One of my favorite nights, honestly, the sound was so rich. The people in there, the presence of God was in there. And it, it felt like, um, it really just felt like worship. So yeah, you know, I, I don't know. Raise your hand if, you, if that feels like identifiable, where you feel like those moments where the greatest amount of pressure combines with like your, one of your greatest weaknesses. And then you see such bountiful fruit come from that. It was kind of one of those nights that it wasn't exactly what I thought it was going to be, but it actually became beautiful in a completely different way. In Portland, Oregon, I was asked, how do you protect your voice while touring? I have like a little cold going on right now. It just came on today. I woke up and I was like, what in the world is happening? My world. And um, so we have in those moments, we have these three set lists that we go by and it's to keep the quality of the show the same regardless of the set. So I have a set like, everything's awesome, we're going to live the best life ever. And the, oh, I'm kind of feeling under the weather set, and the, oh gosh, I can't do it. I'm, th- I'm over. Life's over set. And um, we just modify, honestly. Like, we say, okay, if we have to take out one song, what song can we re- replace it with that keeps the set equally as rich? Um, and I think A lot of times, like, being an artist on stage, that is your demise. Like, there is, it is the worst feeling when, I told someone this in the car, I said, it's like feeling like someone cut off your hand whenever you feel like you can't be 150%. And then you realize, wow, this overachiever, she needs to die every now and then. Like, really, she needs to just be put to sleep. Chill out, sister. Because 100% is actually beautiful. And 80% is actually beautiful if it's an honest time. And so um, I would say if you ever feel pressure to personally go less than what you think you're able to bring, don't consider that as like, oh, this is a worse set. Me having to have boundaries and take a few steps away from my norm doesn't mean that you're not equally as great. It means you're actually taking care of yourself so that you can sustain for all the time that you need to sing and do things. So what do I do to stay, keep up with my voice? I, I work on it all day, really. I am not at that place where I can jump out on stage and everything is absolutely perfect. And I think that's going to take like another 20 years. I steam and I just make sure that um, I'm working with a vocal coach all the time. And I actually love it. Like I love the craft. We, we talk about spinning... 40 minutes a day, like in 10 minute intervals of just like humming or gargling to, cause gargling is like actually really good. I know it's so weird and I might do it a little bit tonight, <laughs> sneak peek, woo! Um, <laughs> but it's actually really healthy for, for your voice cause it relaxes all the muscles around um, your vocal cords. Anyway, there's a lot of little techniques like that, that I, I do to just keep up with throughout the day. In Dayton, Ohio, I was asked, what is your favorite song to perform live? And I've got to be honest, I make a different song up every single night because it's so daggum hard. I love them all. But here's my answer. I I actually love Still Rolling Stones. That's one of my favorite songs because there's just so much energy to it. It's a lot of fun. Um, I love love Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. That's probably my other favorite. I just, it has so much soul and so much history in it. Um I love your wings cuz we get to dance. That's fun. I love you say because you guys sing it really loud. <laughs> um I could sit here and you know what would happen? I'd start to list every song on the record. I just love to sing. I just love being with you guys and I say this every Q&A but it's the truth. They say that songs are like your children. You love all of them equally as much but in very different ways. You don't have a favorite. That's how songs are. You can't have a favorite. You just love them all in just different ways. In Dayton, Ohio, I was also asked, what's the craziest miracle you've seen happen on tour? I love this next story. There's this one girl. It was amazing. This one girl, she was going to, she stood like this. Like her hips were over here and then her back was like this. She had crazy scoliosis. And we prayed for her backstage And it's kind of, well, it's a two-part story, but we prayed for her backstage because she was going in for surgery, I think the next week or something like that. And they had done an x-ray to determine, like, they're going to have to um, do whatever procedure. She was a little nervous about it. And after that prayer, she had to go back in the following week to do a follow-up x-ray prior to the surgery. So she's, like, in her gown, about to be wheeled in, and... The doctor said, oh, I accidentally grabbed the wrong x-ray. They must have switched your chart. I'm so sorry. Let me go back in and, and talk to the nurses and get the right x-ray. Because there's no way that this is your back. So he comes back and thinking, there is not. it's not possible that this girl was here just a couple weeks ago. And now she, her back is completely fine. And it ended up being her x-ray. And she her back was like pretty... It wasn't all the way straight, but it was significantly straighter. And they didn't end up performing the surgery. So she sent us an email of the before and after x-ray. And it's like insane, insane. And the crazy part is that was the first miracle i had ever seen when I was six or no, I think I was 10 years old. I was at a summer camp and this man was praying over all of us. And um, he, this one girl had scoliosis and he laid hands on her. And she started screaming, and she ha- he, he had all the children, like all of us laying hands on her as well. And she started screaming, and I'm like freaked out. Like, what is going on? I, I didn't grow up in a church like that, so it was really new for me. Um, and her back started straightening literally like right before our eyes. Like you could see it through her skin straightening. The next day, her knee ended up slipping out of socket, and the ambulance had to come get her. But think about it. If a back is actually straight and that's the first time her body has ever experienced a straight spine, the rest of her joints and stuff are having to adjust to figure out like what's going on. So anyway, I, yeah, I love miracles. I welcome them. I'm like, Lord, I don't care if it looks crazy. Like bring it on. It's so liberating to to watch and to get to be a part of that kind of hope. So Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Dago Bites. We're finalizing those dates as we speak. So to all you ticket holders, keep your tickets. They'll be honored at those future shows. Stay tuned. And for all those important details, keep checking in on my social media and laurndaigle.com. We're going to keep communicating all we can as soon as we can. I promise. We love you and we can't wait to see you. Thank you so much.